Hey, hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm excited. Yeah, we uh, we got a yeah. big, we got a big guest uh, We're in the house blessed. today. We're um, blessed. I cannot think of any band that came out of the UK in uh, in the '80s and the early '90s that was not at least somewhat influenced by the Soft Boys. Um, I uh, our guest Robin Hitchcock. Um, the swath he cuts through the last four decades of music is uh, amazing. And I'm a huge fan. I'm a little nervous, a little intimidated, so bear with me. I don't mean to gush, but uh, we're thrilled you're here. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I heard somebody say to me once, that, um, the Soft Boys, uh had the same kind of influence of bands around your geography as like the Velvets maybe had here in America, that they might not have sold lots of records, but everybody who bought one started a band. I think the Soft Boys' big influence was over here, not in Britain. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think we influenced anybody in Britain at all. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, maybe years later, but not not while we were doing it. I think it's the usual thing of people peering over the... Over the, the fence, over yeah. the hedge, the you know the transatlantic hedge, and going, oh look at that! Right. So I think we were always quite exotic over here. Mm -hmm. Once we'd broken up, is that is that um, odd to be exotic in America, where you're you're successful there, but then where you're playing, you're not you're not making as much noise as um, you'd it, like to? It might have been then, but you know I've okay. been working over here since nineteen eighty five. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, to the point where I live here now. Okay, yeah. And I, I am a citizen of, I'm a British citizen. I'm an mm. American resident. Yeah. And I really don't, <laughs> I don't really belong in either place. You know, I'm simply, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a citizen of the airport. Ah, okay, okay. Citizen you live in the, the universe. Air. Yeah. Well, I think you realise that the big distance is not between Britain and America, or, um. You know, Russia and China is between the living and the dead. Yeah, and mm. we we each get the chance to be both, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> uh, but really, if you're on this side of the grave, you know, you could be anywhere. So I could, yeah. I, I could be in Australia in nineteen yeah. hours if I put my mind to it. You know, True. It's, uh, and nowhere is as far as Australia really, except the past, and you can't get to the past. Although arguably, you can't escape it either. Right. <laughs> But you're in Chicago now. Uh, I'm in Chicago how, now. How uh, how often do you get out here, and and uh, what do you enjoy around here? Well, I try to be everywhere at least once a year. Okay. Um, so you know you've got your major cities: New York, London, Chicago, um, San Francisco, um, Sydney. Melbourne, you know, the, the major mm -hmm. English-speaking cities, not necessarily the biggest cities mm -hmm. right. the, the, on, the, on the music circuit. So I, I seem to be in each of them at least once a year. Okay. So I would play Chicago once, sometimes twice a year. I mean, I'll be back here in April doing my own show. The, the okay. Old Town School of Folk yeah. Music. Yeah, yeah, we will be there. I did the mural there, so I'm, I'm did a you? frequent you visitor in... there. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, it's a lovely space spot isn't it yeah it sure is and so necessary you know i mean it's one of those uh really intimate houses that 
again, stresses uh, songwriting. Um, I, you know, I did a kind of a deep dive the last couple of days uh, back mm-hmm. in the storefront Hitchcock. And, you know, to call you a songwriter is absolutely uh, an apt description, but you're also a phenomenal storyteller. I mean, um, the 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 talk that you give before you um, introduce Airscape is just one of the most moving things I've oh. ever seen <laughs> in a film. Thanks. Um, that's fairly factual, I suppose, the Airscape story. But, I mean... In folk clubs in Britain, which was how I started, mm-hmm. you know, that was a way you could play in public. People didn't pay you, but they couldn't stop you mm-hmm. appearing either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what then became known as open mic nights. But in those days, right. there were no microphones even. A lot of folk clubs were just kind of stand like up. Coffee you know. houses. Yeah, kind yeah. of coffee, yeah. Like coffee yeah. houses. So you could get up and play two or three songs. And that's how I first started appearing in public. And one of the traditions in folk clubs is that you talk, you know, especially the the main guest. Um, <clears throat> there would be a guest on the second half and there'd be floor singers that you had to sit through in the first mm. half, certainly if you were a floor singer. Um, okay. And uh, so you just see people talking and some of those people like Billy Connolly then wound up simply talking the mm-hmm. whole time or people right. like... Jasper Carrot or Mike Harding, which you might not know of over here so much, but they just, it was just all about the spiel. Yeah. I don't know if Billy Bragg, he must have done a few folk clubs, yeah. but you see Bill, I mean, half his half his show yeah. is just chat. Yeah. Um, Marvelous chat, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he's, you know, he's an ironclad socialist, which is what we need. Yeah. Uh, well, you're, especially you're today. With, you're yeah. sitting with a few of them right now. So. Well, good. Good. <laughs> I'm a, I, I got my Bernie Sanders T-shirts all upstairs. So, well, I will kiss it after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, was Richard Thompson a big presence in in uh, your your formative years? Uh, well, not sort of super formative. I, I uh-huh. mean, I I listened to him more in the in the seventies, right just before I started doing the Soft Boys. Actually, uh-huh. like seventy. Five seventy six, when that live, the guitar vocal record came out. Yeah, um, I remember I bought that and I I researched back a bit. I mean, I yeah, he's terrific. He's um, yeah, he's a sort of non traditional folky. You know, he started playing. T- talking of Chicago, he started playing. Um, I think he was very influenced by the Butterfield Blues Band. Absolutely. And apparently, according to Joe Boyd... And Elvin Bishop. Yeah, Yeah, he was kind of, you know, he was out Bloomfielding Mike Bloomfield. And they they used to do East West. You know that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Long kind of bluesy raga. Okay. And the days when, if you were on Electra, you had to have at least one song that was 11 minutes long on your album. (laughs) Right. And this is all stuff (laughs) that I drank in as a teenager and vowed that I would one day do. I never quite. I never managed to get signed to Electra, yeah. or have an eleven-minute song on an album. But you know, it was a great concept. <laughs> yeah. And and I know that I know that young Richard Thompson was kind of a prodigy. You know, he had this yeah. incredible attack, like like Bloomfield had, or like he, Robbie. He was Robertson, a picker. You know, you know yeah. he was one of those guys who came mm-hmm. out of that tradition. Um, I mean, what I've always loved about your songs is the the added touches of surrealism in them. Um, 
Also, uh, I didn't know until we we we, we booked this about your your visual art or your father's. Oh, right, yeah. Globe of Frogs is one of my favorite album covers in the world. Oh, ah, thanks. I painted that. I. I uh, well, my father, as we were discussing, mm-hmm. my father Raymond, he he was the, the serial personality. He went from being a, a soldier uh, to being a, a communications engineer. He worked mm-hmm. for Mercury on the early satellites. Okay. Then he was a cartoonist. Then he was a painter, um, and then he started writing plays and then books. And then um, that's about as far as he got. He got into words. Okay. But he had quite a long visual period. He was a polymath. Uh, he was. He was a, he was a serial polymath. And he mm-hmm. sort of did one thing one thing after another. You know, he mutated. Mm-hmm. He was a, a mutant strand, Raymond. You know, he came from a straight lower middle class uh, army background and sort of wound up as a kind of new age... Um, new age arty type. Okay. You know, which is basically what I am. Did he did he enjoy your work when it was coming out, or, or um, I think like, he, was there a big support from him? Um, not to begin with. I think he okay. felt quite threatened by me. But, sure, but you learn by example. So if you see your father constantly involved in creation, mm-hmm. um, you're going to do that too, and at, at some point that's going to c- compete with what he does. But I probably right went on. into music because it was the only thing he didn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, growing up, my my younger sisters and I, um, my my sister Lal, um, for a long time was a an artist and a three dimensional artist. Mm-hmm. She made these sculptures yeah. out mm-hmm. of things she found on beaches and things. Oh wow! She's now a therapist, and my younger sister Fleur is a children's author. So we right all on. the only it's thing the, family we, the only thing we knew. We really learned was art. Yeah, <laughs> that's the yeah. only thing we're yeah, any def- good at. Yeah, um, y- you know it's that. So we we had that for point blank range from range from Raymond for a long time, mm-hmm. and then Raymond certainly in the last five years or so of his life, um, he died in ninety three, early ninety three. Just just no ninety two. He just reached seventy. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, he he took a keen interest in what I was doing. He mm-hmm. he picked up on a few of the words, and he sort of suddenly thought, "Oh, I, I think he's good." But I think yeah. it's because mm-hmm. he heard. I think he heard me on the radio, and, and the BBC <laughs> thought, "Well, if sure. he's on, if he's sure. on the wireless, he must be good. That somebody must be taking him seriously." Sure. Let you know, me guess. He heard. Flip, so, so but, you think you're in love? No, he heard. Sleeping Nights of Jesus, I think, off, oh, wow. uh, off and Dream of Trains. And, okay, he, yeah. and he liked one about the veins of the Queen. He liked the sort of um, those kinds of songs okay. that I wrote, a sort of less, I, I don't know, you, you could spe- very specifically say what they were about. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. almost say they were satirical. And sure. People often said Raymond stuff was satirical, but I think it was just his imagination. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. He had a very strong imagination. He used to... Oh, they're marvellous paintings. I mean, I, I yeah. looked up uh, a few of them on the internet and uh, liked them, you know, just uh, instantly. Um, and they 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 kind of do for me what I think really good art does. I think it keeps beginning. I think I, I'm, I'm going to go back and look and 
I don't think you unlock or unpack those paintings uh, easily, like your own paintings. Well, you know how it is with a, as a visual artist yourself. You can mm -hmm. you can sort of take a picture in at a glance, but you don't really take it in. It. No. Whereas listening to music is a serial thing. Mm -hmm. A song will take four minutes to unfold. You don't hear mm -hmm. the whole song instantly. Right. But the music will gradually give itself up. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the nutrition, if you like, takes a slow release. Whereas if you read a book, that's going to take you at least a couple of days. Yeah. You know? So it's a slower process. Mm -hmm. um, uh, each art form has some kind of time contingency attached to it. Yeah. How long am I going to take this? Is it going to take me to get this? So if, mm -hmm. if I go to a gallery, I, thought, I think it's best to actually only see about, you know, 10, 15 pictures. And if you That's about possible, as many as you can take in, in front yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. And going around a whole gallery is a bit like someone from the States doing Europe in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. you've been to Edinburgh and you've been to Barcelona and you've been to Vienna. You yeah, know, but the Louvre what and is all it? That. It's just like, it's just a series of people's legs. We right. were in, we were in, uh, we were in, Paris a couple of years ago. The tell I make part of my living as an actor, and I was on a show called Patriot on uh, Amazon uh -huh. Prime, and we shot our second season in Paris. And <clears throat> uh, I was there for four and a half months, so it got you know a pr pretty oh. good long look. But I found a different Paris every single day. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm you know from. Went to the Musée d'Orsay, the Picasso Museum, uh, the Victor Hugo Museum, um, and then walked through Luxembourg Gardens, and I found a, a, a different thing to love about that place every day. Yeah. Oh, what time of year were you there? I was there in the fall. I oh, was there from... Right. Uh, well, a little, there... little bit in the winter, too. Yeah, I was there yeah. from the very beginning of October till about the end of January. Oh, okay. So you were right. You were there for Christmas. Yeah, so yeah. We shot the whole season there, so you know. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are the jobs I'm trying to get now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's take me somewhere wonderful and yeah. You know, let me for a long for a long while. time too, because I I I wasn't I was in Paris. There was a time where I was in Paris for a month with him, and then I before that I was only in Paris for two days, and and trying to cram that all in and just. Yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, it no. works in its own its own way. It's like, well, we have two days. Let's let's have as much fun as we can. But you don't get a real experience. You know, you yeah. you don't get to. You're in such a, a hectic movement. You don't get to stop her and you know no. taking the people, taking the you know the world there. So it is really nice to slow down and and uh, see it. Let everything yeah. unfold slowly. Yeah. I I do agree yeah. with that. So the same with paintings, really. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to perusing your your book, and thanks so much for the the etching. Oh, no worries, man. Um, what what cities do you uh, do you really love going to? I mean, where where do you My really love spending cities. time? Sydney. I really like Sydney, yeah. Australia. I was walking up a hill in the rain. Um, in Sydney earlier this year, and I thought, I actually love this city. Wow, yeah. that's what I feel about this place. It's it's love. Good grief, Hitchcock. What's happening to you? <laughs> yeah, you're a rank sentimentalist. And um, and I, I realised I do love Sydney because of the, the layout 
of it and the fact mm. that it's got beaches. It's the only place I know where you can get a bus to a beach and swim. Wow. Yeah. You know, as someone yeah. from Britain, you can't do that. I right. Mean, you could in Brighton two months of the year, but it's still pebbly beach mm -hmm. and the sea yeah. is still freezing, you know. Um, Are you a swimmer? I can swim, but I'm not a, an athletic swimmer. I like going uh, nor in the water. I, I, no. I swim every morning because yeah. I had heart surgery uh, oh. five years ago. And, uh, yeah. So I, I, to call what I do swimming is uh, uh, just a rank insult to what actual swimming is. I can do breaststroke, but I can do it for half a mile. But you can float. You can yeah, float. I can do that. That's sure. good. That's you can the, doggy that, paddle. That's yeah. the key yeah. thing, yeah, just but to it's, be aquatic. It's good exercise, you know. It's oh, why? Yeah. I love being <laughs> in the water. It speaks to our first sentient sensation how, how's beings. the how is the water in sydney like I, like sometimes i i get a little weirded out like when i go to a beach and i'm like sharks well yeah I, I got a weird i got a weird shark thing but but in general like sometimes you go to the beach and you're like oh this 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 water looks beautiful and then you're touching like rocks and you're just like oh this is awful i don't, I don't know I, i've just never thought of the beaches in in, in sydney like that what oh i haven't like? run across rocks much you know, okay got seaweed and they get there are, you know, there's always a shark in life. There's some yeah. kind of shark. Yeah. Is yeah. it in the sea? Is it in your mind? Is it right. in your relationships? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's you're president never... of our country right now. <laughs> is it going to be a president or, or even worse, the people that support the president? Yeah, you know, amen. The things yeah. that cause them to be there. But yeah. um, uh, no, I've, I've always had a good time in the sea and the shark, next, shark nets have held. Ah, okay, uh, okay. It's certainly harder for Australians to to uh, survive the British waters. I mean, you know, just because yeah. it's cold. There's nothing mm -hmm. dangerous there. But it's, right. But I, I really love Sydney and I like, um, oh, great. There's so many great cities. Oslo. I love Oslo. Again, probably just because of the feelings I had when I first got there. Mm. Um, it's very... You know, the long Scandinavian twilights, the fact that mm -hmm. you're in a country that has only four million people in it. So right. half of them, half a million, an eighth of the population is in is in Oslo, but it's still not very big. It's also, like most of the great cities, you know, by the sea. So it will yeah. drown mm -hmm. um, if the projections are correct in the next 150 years, it, like New York and... London and yeah, Sydney Brooklyn, will Brooklyn, be Brooklyn, Brooklyn's going to be gone. Will be yeah. waterlogged or completely yeah. Atlantis. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the assault we've made on our our planet is just uh, egregious. It is. It is. It's it's the remains of our entitlement, and it's uh, it's another interest. I mean, I suppose if you want to look at things, <laughs> look at things and people kindly. You can say that life has moved too fast for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so what seems to have happened, generalizing massively, is that the countryside, be it in Australia or the United States or Britain, the three countries I know, is about 100 years behind the cities. So in terms of mm -hmm. sexual mores in terms of gender politics, in mm -hmm. terms of environmentalism, in terms of everything that we think of as progressive, mm -hmm. <laughs> a 
you know, go 30 miles out of town and you're going mm. back 100 years. Yeah. You're not yeah. used to people with yeah. different yeah. coloured skin, yeah. different, you know. They started about well, Kankakee here. Though. Just, well, yeah, you know. well, I mean, middle America in general, it's, it's, it's crazy how we sort of forget we're living in these in these bubbles and you know the major cities are, are around the country are these bubbles and then once you go outside of them you know we we'll talk about something like oh man like what's with we, i think we were talking about you know the 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 game of football and how it's like damaging you know young young athletes and it's leaving them yeah. after their careers done and we're like who would ever play that game but then you go miles outside of the city into these suburbs into the south you know it's oh, like yeah. football is Sacrilege. life it's like yeah. those conversations don't exist yeah. outside of this you know it's a bubble here thing, you know yeah uh, you mean to 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 complain about football it's sacrilegious right right and uh, and, 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 and it's own football, i mean not, i'm just i'm soccer. just giving i'm just giving one example no, know, off the top of my head no. but yeah yeah. Yeah. And I well, think that and, and just politics in general. Yeah. Yeah. And and like I mean, even with Trump, it's like we were we were in a, a town called Ocean City, which is a beautiful beach. Um, you know, not, people are nice. Uh, it's a it's a kind town, but you know, we'll we'll go on you know a trip or something or you know like a, a tour. And we'll see a bunch of boats lined up, and it's Trump 2020 flags. These aren't like from Ooh, the 2016 yeah. election. They're, flags, they're all ready like to go, yeah. and it's just like, wow, I, whoa, I, I, I didn't realize that. I guess, I guess it's like you're yeah. living in a total different world in Chicago, and then when you come yes. outside of it and you see those flags literally lined up, every single boat had one, and it was, it was alarming, to say the very yeah. least. Yeah, it is. Really, you need two separate planets, don't you? Uh, yeah, you, sure, you need, sure. You need a, a, a now planet and a then planet. Yeah. Um, you know, what would make life easiest would be if everybody that was deemed a liberal or a socialist or a progressive or a... Uh, any In any way, um, sexually or gender-wise, um, mm -hmm. not your straight-up missionary couple sure um that th they would go that we would go you know do we go to mars or do we send the others to mars but i mean mm -hmm. it would be at, at least you'd have a few decades peace until one planet started firing rockets at the other yeah <laughs> but um and it's possible yeah. that mars is a desert because you know we destroyed life there and then moved from mars to yeah. earth and that's yeah. how we got here yeah um you know i mean I love people, but humanity is um, is fucked. You know, it's sure. just unfortunately there's a design flaw in our species, which is that evil is more contagious than good. You know, a, a, yeah. an apple, a barrel full of rotten apples is not cured by putting three good apples in there. They're just going to go bad. Yeah. Whereas um, we all know they're saying, you know, rotten. We all know, but the, the saying uh, one rotten apple, apple sparrows. Let's try this again, Hitchcock. Take two. <laughs> One rotten apple spoils the barrel. Mm -hmm. and yeah. It just seems to be incredibly true. It's the sort yeah. of, whether it's the domino effect of fascism or it's simply... I think that's probably that, it. You and, know, and, what's, do you just, if you want to appeal to people, appeal to their worst instincts. That's yeah. what Reagan and Thatcher did 40 years mm -hmm, ago. Sure. And what we Absolutely. now have is Johnson and Trump, you know, where we're yeah. teetering on fascism and... All the folks out in the countryside who just ground their teeth and read the conservative press and we thought, well, they're all over. They weren't. They just 
they were just spawning and getting ready yeah, for their right. comeback. Yeah, Seething, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and here, marinating you know, under mar- their rocks. Marinating in their ignorance. You know, it's a mm. coalition of money and ignorance. I hate those people. They just shouldn't have the vote. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would be a socialist despot and simply disenfranchise anybody who lived more than 50 miles from water and you'd get rid of the lot. You'd never have a Republican government again in America or a Tory government in Britain. Mm. 50 miles from water or 10 miles from a city. You know, it, yeah, it's just they're different worlds. That, you know, they, the, the, for them there is no climate change. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah even though they're flooding, even yes. though their farms are failing because yeah. of it. Yeah. 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 Oh no, it's just seasonal. You know. Yeah. It w- um, bizarre. <laughs> you, you know. You know how people like Trump get elected is that they absolve people of their own shitty choices, and they well, tell them it's yeah. not their fault. He's it's their the fault. shittiest choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the fault of 100%. the immigrant, the Muslim, the person of color, um, the gay people. It, it, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, you know, and also to be honest, Corbyn and <coughs> Hillary Clinton share one thing: they were both for shit candidates. They did not, uh, they, they, they did not make their case persuasively enough, and Hillary only campaigned in the states that liked her. Yeah. Well, I think also they're not cartoon figures, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. particularly in America, but I think the same applies in Britain. Um, you're more likely to get elected if you if you're a can be a cartoon figure, you know, like sure, w, yeah. w was more of a cartoon figure than Al Gore, yeah, mm-hmm. or um, the the chap, uh, God, the the whole Swift boat guy, what was his name? The, John, John Kerry, Kerry yeah. you know, the follow up. God, uh, oh. W, who I think didn't even drink, was still could be seen as a man you could have a beer with. Right, right. You can caricature Trump easier and his attitudes. For mm-hmm. ill or good, then you could Hillary. Him and Boris. Yeah. Hillary, yeah. I mean, Hillary was too nuanced, mm-hmm. right? And the right. whole thing is, you got to it's a sell people, yeah, to, to uh, sell figureheads to people who don't have much yeah. time or attention span. Um, you know, it's just easiest if they're cartoon mm-hmm. figures. So what yeah. the left needs now, the left, the liberals, us lot, whatever you call it, um, are easily distinguished. Characters who, yeah, who are they can just be boiled down to something really simple. I mean, Corbyn's biggest problem was he had a beard, you know, that immediately <laughs> implies that was it, yeah, it means implies thought, self involvement, yeah. intellectualism, yeah, uh, and then you know, it, the dreaded elitism, the kind of oh my god, he probably reads books and look at him, he's a he's a yeah. far right socialist. Blair sold himself because he was so snappy and. After yeah, the moment, right. and clean shaven glib. And, and glib, yeah. and he was, but he was glib and and concise. Okay, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's what you need. You want um, whatever you think of Trump, no matter how much he contradicts himself. What he says is fairly simple, and yeah. you can't underestimate the stupidity of the populace. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I, I just, I'm, I think you know, unfortunately, I, I always want to believe planets. that. I always want to believe that people are basically good and. Boy, the Trump uh, years have, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, it's sort of, it's sort yeah. of, it's hard to believe that these people days. are basically what they're made to be. You think about all those people who, you know, the before the Holocaust, going back to people who were throwing stones at, at Jewish people who were doing far worse than that. People who were backing Hitler. 
you know, they were probably when they started life, I don't know, they were just regular people. It's that. Yeah. And when you come down to that, if I don't betray you, I'm, you're going to betray, you know, that whole kind of thing of better shop them to the Gestapo to save my own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's that you, you get that, that whole people who were good once <laughs> right. aren't good anymore because yeah. circumstances pushed them. I mean, there are still wonderful people, people who um, I, I know of a, of a Jewish, uh, you know, two Jewish kids who were sheltered in the end of World War II by a, a Goyesha family, a Dutch family, who just mm -hmm. took him in with their other three kids. And, you know, right. um, there'd be photographs of them in the shop window when there's, you know, two little dark-haired kids with the three others and, you know, somehow nobody noticed and that, you know, really yeah. risking their entire life yeah. and family to look after these because their parents had been taken off to Auschwitz and things. And mm -hmm. I actually, I knew that, one of those kids um, then went on to be part of my family. And um, just examples of, of real courage, which mm -hmm. somehow survives that. Yeah. And there are people like Mandela who will survive 40 years in jail and right. still go on and not seek vengeance. There are Absolutely. great people, yeah. but there's not that many of them. And they don't seem to... They're in spite of things, not yeah. because of them. You can't There's rely a, on people to be like that. Yeah. yeah, You can't rely on people to have integrity. There's no – it's all about basically, as far as I can see, self-interest. Maybe I'm just projecting from myself. But, sure. you know, um, and so you pray that you're living in some place where you're not challenged. You don't have the goose steppers outside. You don't have to – decide not to save yet, your, anyway. not yet yeah, you know yeah, am yeah. i going to save myself or my my friends hiding upstairs you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing is yeah. that um and, and when you're actually being hunted down by people that you want once went to the pub with <laughs> it, it's yeah. um i don't know i i i don't see any i i don't see any i have faith that humans can be good but i don't have any faith that humans will be good yeah, and I don't feel that human nature itself is basically equipped to survive. It's very clever. We're very clever. We're an amazing thing, but we're a bit like the spruce goose or some kind of you know that that plane that Howard Hughes made that had eight yeah. eight, eight engines on each window <laughs> wing and yeah. it flew once. Right. Because um, yeah. it's made, made out yeah, of wood. You know. We, we, yeah, we're just some. We're like a weird experiment that I think is probably failed failing you know right unless yeah a, unless there's an evolutionary lurch that we make like allegedly reptiles grew wings what happened they just keep jumping off cliffs and dying and then one of them started flapping its legs and whoa the feathers grew you know it leapt off there were no feathers it hit the bottom it had grown feathers they're it, birds now they're birds well yeah. you see you're a yeah. you're a and huge bird Lover, so oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an activist. I'm an environmental activist on behalf of birds here in the city. Um, do you think you were one? What do you think's your kinship with birds? My uh, my grandmother stayed with us when I was five years old. My father yeah. had had a heart attack, and I'm one of eight children. And uh, oh, yeah. So every morning she would toast a couple pieces of bread and, you know, usually spread some jam on it and then break it all up yeah. and throw it out in the backyards for the birds. And I'm one of eight kids. We never wasted food. So uh, I said yeah. to my grandmother, you know, being a obstreperous little shit that I was, you know, why are you giving all our bread to the birds? And she, 
Yeah. She goes like this, and she lifted the window up a little bit. She goes, now give yours a chance. Listen. And I heard all these different musics while the sun was coming up, you know. And uh, she said, for a piece of bread, you can hear God sing. <laughs> and I'm not religious at all, but... um there, there was something, uh, I, I think what she was really saying to me is that for a piece of bread, you can hear something that's eternal. Yeah. And yeah. that landed for me. And uh, I became very fascinated by birds. The first thing I ever drew as a kid were birds and naked women. And the nuns, uh, my parents attempted to get me a good Catholic education. And, oh. Uh, didn't work out, you know. Um, so. I went to many grade schools. So the nuns came into the mix at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they had me sent to the shrink because uh, I was drawing naked women with bird heads and uh, oh, yeah, beautiful women with bird bodies. And yeah. And the shrink told my mother, you know, she, you know, he's he's going to be fine. I mean, he's probably going to get in a lot of trouble. He doesn't like authority. But uh, what I really like to do is get that nun in here. You know, and, um, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I find birds to be this, uh, place I can go that yeah. isn't rotten, isn't evil, isn't awful. There's no good and evil in nature. There's merely consequences. Yes. And in a way that's true for us, but we can't really accept that. No. Uh, we, we add a moral dimension which actually just seems to torture us further. Um, yeah. People are constantly on both sides accusing the other side of evil. <laughs> and really, yeah. or you know, people... That's a front door. Don't That's worry about so it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds fantastic in stereo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who did you read when you were coming up? Um, <coughs> or who uh, do you read? I read, well, as a... As a kid, as a, um, I read H.G. Uh, Wells. You know, he wrote The Time Machine. Oh, yeah. yeah. And his short stories particularly, things that later became known as science fiction, but they, oh, yeah. they were just imaginative works based mm -hmm. on the way he saw technology going at yeah. the end of the Victorian uh, I like the stories. Yeah. Um, and there's so many possibilities in that. Oh, he's going to see the biscuits. Um <laughs> That's the the, the yeah, dog. You might, not, you not might want to. I'm uh, going to put him away. Yeah. Not H.G. Wells, listeners. It's the this this very handsome hound who has just spotted these chocolate biscuits. That's Huey. He's. Uh, we Huey. don't know really what he is. We adopted him. Um, really? You don't yeah. know how old he is? Oh he's, no, he's he's, he's he's nine. He, he's is going he? on ten, but he's hmm. he's yeah. nine. Um, and he's just. We don't know what he is in terms of like his his breed said, or anything. He's yeah. just a, part Newfie, part Lab. He's part a mystery. Pointer, part Dane. Yeah. And to us, he's I would, Huey. I would imagine part hungry all the time. He's quite big. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, huge. Yeah, he's uh, he's cattle. You know, uh, he's he's a hefty but handsome dog. Oh, he's a beautiful <laughs> um, dude, man. He's got such an amazing, uh, such an amazing loving dog. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He seems sweet. So, so I read. Uh, yeah, I used to read H.G. Wells and J.G. Ballard, who wrote. Yeah. Also wrote Crash. Some, yeah. He, we yes, but what I liked was more the stuff he wrote in the fifties, and six early sixties, which were again they were called science. I think they was called science fiction yeah. by then. But 
but it wasn't all sort of aliens and space travel and no, that. Yeah. It was high rise. It was more psychological stuff. There was high rise, the atrocity exhibition. Yeah. He got a bit sort of, I don't know. It, it, they were all variations on the same theme, you know. Kind of like Philip K. Dick over here. Probably, and I yeah. read some of those. Although there's some, there's some kind of um, mental labyrinth that Philip K. Yeah. Dick goes through, which is a bit more disturbing. Simply mm -hmm. in the way, the way you, uh, you know, it's, it's the labyrinth. Huey. He he uh, did a lot of speed too. That kind of helped. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, pizza, amphetamine psychosis, man. Um, yeah, so people like that I used to read as a as a teen, young, you know, as a child yeah. going into adulthood, and I still reread them. Okay. Um, what, what do you read now? What, what's appealing to you now? Mostly female authors, actually. I just read, uh, God, my year of rest and relaxation by... Tessa Mosfey, who's um, she writes for the New Yorker. It's, it's a sort mm -hmm. of pre nine eleven oh, okay. narrative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, gosh, I read God, I read a book called Virginia Woolf in New York by Maggie G. Yogi, who's an English writer, which was a very just just imagine an author goes to New York and um, suddenly Virginia Woolf appears. On the plane with oh she's going to deliver a lecture on New York uh, mm -hmm. on Virginia Woolf. She turns up at the hotel and Virginia Woolf herself appears, and uh, just how she deals with mm -hmm. Virginia Woolf, who died in 1941, right? Being in New York in sort of 2015, so yeah, you know she knew about planes, but she'd never been on one. She knew about America, but she'd never been there. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's um, it's. It's not a completely unrecognizable world, but there's been quite a big jump. In it's an the interesting construct. I'm, I think I'm going to get that. Um, I think it's out over here, but I, okay. I, those are two books that I've particularly liked last right year. On. But for some reason, most of the oh god, and I read I read the way no to the lighthouse by Virginia Woolf herself, which I guess have you read those, that at all? To the no. to the lighthouse to the lighthouse. Yeah. It's it's a meditation. It's like a poem, really. Okay. It's a bit like okay. James Joyce. I think I find sure. her a bit easier to read than James mm -hmm. Joyce. They're both Aquarians, and they're both um, they're both early, um, in a way, stream of consciousness writers. They're mm -hmm. writing completely internally. They're writing people's thoughts down. Yeah. Virginia Woolf lets you know who's thinking. Um, She's more formal. James Joyce doesn't even do that. So it's no, really no. hard to figure yeah. out. Oh, okay, right. Okay, it's Bloom thinking this now. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Contrary but, but, Irish guy. Yeah, but there, yes, I'm sure he was a. And, in, and also, he, you know, he used language people didn't in those days. Right. And, you, know, you know who his secretary yeah. was, right? Who? Samuel Joyce? Beckett. He Beckett worked for Joyce. Yeah, what a team! Secretary. Yeah. <laughs> I bet those were some cheery conversations, huh? Well, he must have been. Although I think Joyce probably must have had a lot of fun, whereas Beckett always seems really dour. You know, sort of severe and. You know what? You always maybe think he wasn't. You always think that like everybody was saying what a downer Kafka must have been, 
And from what you hear, he was a cut-up at parties and I mean, he, imitations of the people he worked with. <clears throat> and the same with Proust. He would come, Proust would come home and talk to his housekeeper who, you know, kept his cork room clean. And, mm. and uh, he would imitate all the people he was just with. And uh, he had a, a marvelous interior life, you know, much like uh, Samuel Beckett. Um, Ah, yeah. I don't know anything about Beckett. I'm thinking, just thinking about his work, and I suppose Mm -hmm. all the photos of him, he looks very gaunt. Yeah. You know, wrinkled. uh, Gaunt. Somebody should water that guy. (laughs) He does look like he needs water. Exactly. He needs to hydrate. (laughs) He looks a little desiccated. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I could probably find a photo of James Joyce on on this, this iPhone here, but I, yeah. Boy, I didn't know that. Do you exhibit your paintings? I don't have enough of them. I've I gave some away. I left some uh in my I left some of them when I moved to the States. Um I wish I'd I wish I could. And I never I don't seem to have any time to paint. I've just got yeah. it. My partner just brought me bought me an easel and I've actually started up again. I've got the paints. Right I've got to do my first demo painting, but I never seem to have any time at home because I'm permanently on tour because there's Well, if you ever yeah, you know. do, we have a couple of galleries. Do you? I would yeah. love to. That's really good and to know. And we take yeah. no percentage of sales. Oh. We show artists who uh, have usually never shown before. Yeah. And if your body of work isn't that big, we can we can fit you into a uh, a, could, gr- a group, a group show, show or yeah. or, or no, anything you like could that. Put me somewhere pretty small, but, um, <laughs> but that kind of thing. So tell me, we both have Jonathan Demi in common. Absolutely. So how did you? I met him, him in. He'd been buying my work from the gallery I showed with uh, Phoenix City, and I spotted him one night because he had made a video for uh, New Order who's a band I liked very much. And I'd seen a picture of him, and I was at the uh, the Cat Club in New York, and uh, 13th and Broadway, just off, just off of uh, Broadway on 13th when, when Street. When was that? 1985. Oh, okay, that was gone by the time I got there, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I walked up to this man who I also didn't know, said... Is that guy's name Jonathan? And he kind of it was Buzz. He oh yeah, yeah. Looked at me and nodded his head. So I, I walked up and I said, uh, "I'd like to thank you for buying my drawings from Phoenix City." And he said, "Are you Tony?" I said, "Yeah." And I looked behind me, and Buzz is holding a beer bottle by the neck, like mm. he's gonna. And he's about half my size. I turn around, and look at him, and go, "What are you thinking?" You know, and. Um, <laughs> Jonathan and I became kind of instant pals. He became one of my biggest champions and collectors. Wow. And and oddly enough, you and Buzz had a, had a really yeah, good relationship. And Buzz and I that. wound up doing radio together. And oh. um, uh, we we met, and he had me do the album cover of the soundtrack of Something Wild. In, uh, oh, right, yeah. And put me in a couple of his movies. And um, I had been... Toe dipping in theater, and after I, I was in uh, Philadelphia and married to the mob, I decided to take it very seriously and 
uh, started making part of my living as an actor. Oh, uh, oh, right. Uh, so you're in Marriage to the Mob. Yeah. Oh, great. Love you're that. in the Manchurian Candidate. I'm in the Manchurian Candidate. And you're the star of Storefront Hitchcock. I'm, I'm in Rachel Getting Married. Oh, that's okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm in that too. I'm in the you, nut house scene. Are you in the, in the Rachel Getting Rachel Getting Married? Yeah, yeah. When she's in rehab, oh. the two weird guys on the end. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm the goof oh. with the hoodie. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll have to. Well, I'll have to I'll see it again. But I'm you know, fun. yeah, you gave a really compelling performance in Manchurian Candidate. Uh, well, I was in there very briefly, but I am in there. I am there, and I'm. He, Jonathan wanted a spare British villain. Yeah. Because mm. Hollywood loves British villains because yeah. we, we're sort of respectable but dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and it's and it's a good snapshot. That's what we are. Do you like a, do you do you like acting at all? Well, or? I haven't really acted apart from that. And right. I'm not and I sort of said to Jonathan, that's oh, really. Really sweet of you to ask me, but you know I'm not an actor. I'm a I'm a uh, singer, and you know mm. there's millions of proper actors. And he said, "Well, it's all performance." Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, when, and, when I watched uh, Storefront like, you know, Hitch yeah. Hitchcock, I just thought this guy's as good a storyteller as Studs Terkel or <laughs> Gene Shepard. And I knew Studs; he was my mentor. Oh. I inherited his politics. God. So. Um, what was his original name? Did he was he was he, Lewis? Lewis. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't uh, know that till you know what till I now. didn't know it until his wife Ida never, would never call him Studs. She'd yeah. say he's Lewis this yeah. and Lewis that. And I asked <laughs> this mutual friend of us, "Who the fuck is Lewis?" <laughs> he goes, "Oh, Studs. He doesn't use that. He hasn't used that since before he graduated from law school." Uh, what, how did he get the name? He carried Studs. around a copy of Studs Long Again by James T. Farrell. Who wrote the Studs Lonigan trilogy on the South Side of Chicago? And oh, okay, I don't know that. Farrell was a big this... lefty socialist. Yeah. got blacklisted, um, and uh, uh, and Studs thought him uh, a hero, a great writer of the proletariat, and uh, and he wasn't wrong. He, he was, and he he he's always been Studs. Oh. You know, I mean, whenever whenever yeah. somebody says, "Well, lose Turkle," it's like, hey, "Who's that?" You know, I I never, never uh, only ever heard his wife refer to him as, good to know. as Lewis. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. But um, but you 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 also have that incredible uh, storyteller's uh, ability. Um, and I thought I thought naturally this guy should be an actor. You know, I mean, he's just born to it. And what Jonathan said is not wrong. It is performance, you know. It's definitely performance, and, it, and so I mean, it's it's all related. You know, they're all fingers on the same hand. Mm -hmm. like artwork, music, yeah. writing, acting. You know, they're all they're all related. Definitely, an, an awful lot of musicians draw or paint. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and we show a lot of them. And um, do you, John Langford from uh, Oh Mekons. Langford? Langford is. I was going to invite him tonight, actually, but um, yes, I, I, we we communicated last week. Yeah, oh, right on. We were guy. we were just with his son yesterday. Yeah. Uh, we were because we were we were acting in something, and he was doing uh, set design and props and all that. And uh, one of my oldest friends, a really in the good world. dude, Langford yeah. Junior. Yeah, James. Yeah, James. Yeah. What's he like? 
really nice guy, yeah. really nice kid. I, I've known him since he Good was a musician. little kid. And yeah. I had and before um, we got on that set, I had not seen him in years. And when I saw him, he looked familiar, but I didn't know who he was at first. And, but he had the call sheet and he knew we were going to oh. be on there. So he's like, are you Max Fitzpatrick? Oh. I said, yeah. He goes, I'm, he's he's yeah. got a band, I mean, doesn't he, Max? I'm not 100% Jimmy? sure about that. I'm not sure. What were you? Um, what were you acting in? I was acting in a a pilot that there um, these two uh, local Chicago guys wrote, um, and it's this authentic kind of uh, street story, crime story uh, in Chicago, and they want to see if they can, you know, get funding to make a series of it. And oh. uh, we just finished last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how I got and, sick um, yesterday. He's in oh. it. Uh, my sister is in it, and uh, we actually played like a family in it, and uh, it was a it was a great experience. Are you looking for like Netflix or somebody you mean to come along? And- no, sure. Yeah, one of the platforms that, that does those, half an yeah. hour episode. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, but um, I mean, there's a lot of streaming services out there, and I I mean, I really I'm just I I don't mean to be like I'm just the actor, but I I really don't know what the process for them is going to be like to to sell that or get that out there. I imagine they have a plan. Uh, we, we I, well, just... I, so you were filming it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, ho. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Oh, well, I hope it goes well. That's Thank great. you. Thank you. Thank you. Because you. you had a family acting a family. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to, avoid, was, uh, anything to avoid honest work and manual yeah. labor, my friend. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty easy for, in terms of, you know, the chemistry and, yeah. and, and doing the scene. But, uh, it was also, it was surreal at the same time because I mean I've been acting for a, wh- a while now and I've, l- I've learned most of my stuff from him, but we had never been in the same scene until yeah, uh, never until that day until yeah. yesterday. Yeah, we'd you know? been on the same projects, same same thing. He's but, directed me in films that he's made. Yeah, but, um, right, but know. never, yeah, never acted together until then. It was a it was a good feeling. So you're in town tonight in Chicago. Um, with Wilco. Yes, that's right. We did uh, a show last night. I opened for them at the Chicago Theater. Okay. Yeah, you got, by the way, you got rave reviews from my pal Chris Keogh, who saw the show. Uh, yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun. The Wilco audience is very... A good bunch. They're very... They're great. They give you water, yeah. they give you water to walk on, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so although I was just the opening act, I felt from the very beginning that they were listening to what I was saying mm-hmm. and it oh, really yeah. helped because my act does have a fair bit of chat in it it helps if people are quiet between songs and listen to what I'm saying um, rather than thinking okay well he's not singing so I'll talk sure yeah <laughs> and, no, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna you know, come for the April uh, show at the Old Town School well, that Old Town's really good as is uh, Space in Evanston that's absolutely another, yeah. that's another yeah. very good room yeah and um, you know now I'm now I'm a folk singer, and I guess have been for quite a long time, mm-hmm. really, a solo act. Those are the sort of places I play. Yeah. Um, year, when I first came, I used to play the, the Metro and the Vic when I had a band. Right. Oh, I remember. Right. Uh, in, I but, saw the Egyptians in you there. Me and the Egyptians. Well, we, we, you know, we were still a sort of rock act, basically. Yeah. We were on WXRT, and we were that kind of thing, but it was a hell of a long time ago. Right. Um, but no, it was very nice. They were very receptive. I did my set. The Wilcos came and played. Mm-hmm. Sounded excellent. And mm-hmm. they, yeah. I, they got me up to 
join them for a couple of encores, which was oh, fun. Right so on. What, what, right what on. encores did you guys do? We did Tomorrow Never Knows, you know, off Revolver. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, a John Lennon composition. Yeah. And uh, and then we did my song, I Want to Destroy You, which, um, oh, yeah. which right. you know, with the, we, I recorded in the Soft Boys. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff Tweedy, uh, when he was in Uncle Tupelo, recorded that. So that was good fun. And I'm, right we're on. doing some more tonight. Uh, some variation on that. Nice, nice. Uh, I've always thought the psychedelic furs should just throw the keys to the ghost in you over to you and just don't play it anymore. Just just let you play it. (laughs) I like yours, man. Uh, Well, mine's, you know, mine mine is really a folk. Exactly. Less production, less synthesizer, less, less veneer. There's is you know still they when they play live and I I, <coughs> I love seeing them. Oh, um, I love them. They're a great band. But, but they take the '80s sound intact, which is great. Yeah. Because people are going on, they want to, they want to hear it like yeah. the record, and they do it exactly like the record. Sure. And it must be frustrating for them in a way they can't change anything. But this is what the audience is paying for is to mm-hmm. be catapulted back 35 years. Okay. Um, you know, it's the, it's the reverse of Bob Dylan. It's the sort of Paul McCartney approach. Mm-hmm. You know? Ah, okay. Um, and so you get yeah. that, you know, 1984 when that came out, everything was synthetic. There were probably no yeah, real absolutely. drums. Yeah, absolutely. So everything had the it's dig- all synth band, digital so, pattern. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I I'm a big fan of of the '80s production. I I I, I don't know. I, I I know that's a time mm, in music when not, people. I know that's a time in music when people really are like, oh, that's when that's when a lot of things went to to hell or whatever. I I don't know. I'm kind of a sucker for it. Well, it sounds quaint now. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, I mean, I. I was actually make, I was making records before that. So when mm-hmm. the 80s came along, there was this big, you started to have what I call the snare drum that you could land a plane on. You know, yeah, it was sure. just so big. It was like the, the deck of a battleship. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the guitars, you know, because the ear only has room for so much, yeah. the guitars were kind of relegated to these little pingy noises mm-hmm. on the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, Johnny Marr would be sort of, spangling away but quite a long way off right. <coughs> and the voice was kind of embedded in digital reverb so you got further away yeah 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 and i listened to some of my records in the late 80s and early 90s and you can hear me kind of waving away in a sea of reverb mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. these vast drums and my guitar's been kind of sent out to the edge and meanwhile the bass has got all this Fatner, you know, okay. digital chorus and yeah. squirming away in the middle. Yeah. And then there's a sea of kind of <coughs> tinkly little keyboards mm-hmm. around it. And so I'm le- I'm certainly not a fan of the 80s sound on my own records, but sure. But you know, Tears for Fears, people who knew how to use yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Plus you wouldn't have been You'd have been a kid back then. So. I I was born in '92, so I feel like all the you were a pre kid, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I feel you like a lot even of a the gamete yet. I feel like a lot of the '80s stuff, though, kind of you know, it it was sort of ending. It was coming to its end, but yeah. it was still getting sprinkled in there. You know, you would still hear it on the radio. You would still hear it's like, I don't know, it's it's the equivalent of like these songs that were popular in high school that you'll hear, you know, now today, and you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that song. Okay, I was experiencing that. As as a little kid, so I did hear a lot of Tears for Fears, and I did hear uh, a lot of um, uh, I 
I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm falling, I'm the falling a blank on my first. Sure. Yeah. I'm Duran Duran. Right. Duran Duran. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, um, do you know the yeah. theory that, um, people are supposed to be, we're supposed to be fascinated by the period just before we were born. I, yeah. I think, um, I think that's a good point. It's kind of like yeah. why I like, like, I like fifties blues music. Yeah. Where, 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 when were you born? 1958. Oh, okay. So you're a bit younger than me. So you, yeah. So what happened before you was, yeah, blues music and early yeah. rock and roll. Absolutely. Um, and also the life, the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that interested in music from 1950, but I, I'm fascinated by the world, the streetcars, the trolley yeah. buses, mm -hmm. the cars. Right. The biggest streetcar line mm -hmm. in the world used to run five blocks east of here. Really? The longest one in the world, oh, Western Lord. Avenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know when the Chicago streetcars went? Was it the forties? No, they they. How long did they, they last? They ceased to in 1956. So two mm -hmm. years before you came. Yeah. Ah. I feel a little screwed by that. <laughs> you you know? were. You were shafted, man. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? We've we barely scratched the surface, and it's time for us uh, to let you get back to. Ah, performance. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, there but goes please, the planet. please, please, promise us that when you come back, you'll visit us again, and uh, sure, I will make you a proper meal. Oh, well, that's fine. Biscuits. These biscuits are doing fine. It suits <laughs> me actually, but I guess I, I've got to go and sound check, haven't I? That yeah. was quick. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, yeah, so, Robin, thank you thank so you. much. Well, thanks yeah. for having me. What a joy and, to uh, have you. Nice to meet yeah, you. This this was uh, food for thought, uh, and this I I mean this is some of the most interesting things said uh, yeah. in, in the history yeah. of this podcast so far. So th thank you, man. Uh, really appreciate your time and uh, oh. Well, yeah, and best of luck. You're on, asking me. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, come. We'll along see you in the, April, man. Come along to the gig in April. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you guys for tuning in to our 76th episode, sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer. Next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. And drink their beer. Big shout out to Parkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Chris Pat. Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery in the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. Fucking ain't right, my show's up. Okay, we're showing Tony in both rooms. Want to catch up on old episodes? Have any burning questions to ask Max or Tony? Go to themaxandtonyshow.com and then tune in next time for our 77th episode. Where angels wander over you Yeah.
darkness The starlight shimmers on the spray And falls towards you Your perfect lover never there And if she was, she wouldn't be And neither would you Save your illusions For someone else Save your illusions For yourself For yourself Over you. 